Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Trigger warning. The following episode contains descriptions of graphic violence, sexual assault, and adult language. Viewer discretion is advised. I'm Danielle. I'm Max. And each Wednesday, we crack open a bottle of wine and dive into some thrills, chills, and spills. This is Innocent Till Tipsy. All right, so I get to tell you about a true crime this time. The tables have turned. My, how the turntables. I'm excited. Um, I have no idea what the story is. Uh, No concept of anything so we'll see if i i'm wondering if i'll know it like halfway through because there's been a few that i've told you where you've been like oh i i know what we're talking about right now so like the light bulb goes off you're like oh this one yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so and um i was excited to not have to do any research especially (laughs) after all the johnny depp amber heard stuff i've done lately i was like this is a nice little break yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, you do like painstaking research because i know that's what i was saying i'm like i'm at 10 pages of notes. And you're like, that's nothing. I'm like, oh yeah, I know. I bet. <laughs> 20. <laughs> Those two parters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So what are you drinking today? Okay. So I um, am a fool. I was telling Sasha about this earlier. I thought I'd have time to grab wine, um, but I did not. So I had a bottle left um, from the airport. <laughs> um, so this is a nice glass from New York City. Um, beautiful. Yeah. So mm. <laughs> your wine, I'm sure, will be better caliber and better to recommend. So I'll just let you like take it. <laughs> um, well, yes, we did pick this out from an actual wine store, not the airport, but it called taken um, oh that yeah, gives remember this one i know so yeah a little hint hint um and it's a cab it's like 65 percent cab um it's like again all the things spicy jammy berry uh plummy and i've already had a few sips of it so that's why i can tell you it's pretty good um i was saying like i think my palate has shifted towards like i really like really old cabs but now that it's getting to be summer this is like a nice light cab 65 mm. so uh, it's $30 and, um, yeah, it's great. I like it. I don't like this. <laughs> I wish I could share. It's fine. It's okay. You're going to drink all the good bottles before I, um, before we're back in the studio together. No, no, no. <laughs> I have a huge box, like literally under my desk right now, a huge <laughs> box of new wines. I found them. Oh. And you'll be able to find them too. Everyone that's, that's so excited to find them. They're very accessible. And I'm very excited. I'm excited. Yes. Um, I know that there is so much to like go over. I'm like really ready to go. So, okay. okay. Um, It's Wednesday, November 10th, 2010. And I've, I'm like familiar with this area. Um, This takes place in Mount Vernon, Ohio, which is just outside of Columbus, Ohio. It's about an hour away it's um, a really cute town. Um, it's about 15, 16, 17,000 people. Okay. So it's like a pretty close-knit community. There's also 
um, like other smaller surrounding towns. So like if you think of Columbus being like the large metro area, then an hour away is like this size and then outside of that's kind of rural. So um, yeah, so it's Wednesday, November 10th, 2010. And Greg Borders is sleeping on the couch. Him and his girlfriend um, have broken up, Tina Herman. Um, she told him she was going to move out. Um, and he gets up to go to work at 345 in the morning. He actually kind of worked near Columbus, outside of Columbus. Um, so about an hour away. Um, so he gets up, he goes to work. Um, and then Tina gets up and she's getting the kids ready. So 13-year-old Sarah and 11-year-old Cody. Okay. Um, and Tina works actually at the Dairy Queen. So she has a shift at four and she's going to meet her friend. Um, she's going to meet Stephanie um, and they're going to like, I've, there's con- kind of conflicting reports. Like she was supposed to be moving out, whether that was actually that day or they were just house hunting that day. She mm-hmm. was going to meet up with her friend, Stephanie. They were going to um, help find a new place. So um, her shift begins at, her shift begins at four. So she doesn't show up for a shift and her friend Valerie is concerned, of course. So, um, you know, Valerie calls the police. They want um, she wants the, the police to go over and do a check, do a welfare check. Um, actually, it's the sheriff because it's Knox County. So um, the sheriff goes out and I think they may have gone out more than once. It's kind of unclear. They were going to check throughout the night to see if maybe Tina came home later. And um, also the kids, Cody and um, Sarah, are from a previous relationship. Um, so they're going to be moving out with Tina as well. Mm, okay. And I have a dumb, I have what may be a dumb question. The sheriff. Um, so you said because it's Knox County, it was the sheriff. Uh, do you know why the, it, it would be the sheriff and not like just the normal police officers? I don't remember if it's like a township or police or what, like I know the sheriff throughout this um, investigation, mm-hmm. it's the sheriff's office that does majority of it. Um, so that's why I believe like, cause it's the County sheriff that mm-hmm. called in for this kind of thing. So they go, they, um, take a look around. There's no answer. The house looks empty, but nothing's like, um, amiss. So, um, the next day, um, Tina also has another shift, but she doesn't show up for that shift either. And that's when Valerie knows like something is super, super wrong. Yeah. Um, also no one has heard from Greg. Um, he, uh, went, you know, went to work at 3.45 in the morning on Wednesday, and he's not there either. So, um, again, she was supposed to maybe move out that day. And so this house was like, where's everyone at? It doesn't look undisturbed. But um, Valerie knew, like, this is not okay because Tina didn't show up for work. And this is day two of her missing her shift again. So Valerie's super concerned. Again, like the sheriffs were there the night before checking. Nothing's amiss. But... Mm-hmm. Um, no one can find Tina. Where's she out? She's missing work. Her kids were at school on Wednesday. Um, and this is Thursday and she's missing her shift. So Valerie calls her again and no answer. Um, so Valerie's super concerned. It's time for Valerie to go. She goes to the house actually. And she knows, um, she's friends with Tina. So she knows that there's a window in the back, um, that kind of has like a loose spring or she knows she can get in through it. So she goes in through the back window. Mm -hmm. This is like terrifying to me. Like, obviously the true crime, like junkie in me is like, I will, uh, oh, just like uh, deep breath. She goes inside, and of course, there's blood. Oh, and she's like, the, she calls the sheriff right away. There is there is blood. It's a bloody, bloody scene. Yeah. Um, she she calls the sheriff from inside the house. There's trails of blood through the house, like as if um, bodies were dragged, and they're all kind of 
being dragged to the bathroom is like the central location. Um, so the sheriff um, is called out, obviously, um, crime scene investigation and um, is called to the scene and they describe it as a slaughterhouse. It looks horrendous. Um, and there's still no trace of Tina. There's no trace of the kids. Uh, and there's no trace of Greg. Uh, uh, Tina's truck is gone, actually. So um, they don't know like how or where anyone is. There's just this, such a bloody scene. Um, but Stephanie's Jeep is in Tina's garage. So Stephanie, again, was coming to meet Tina and they were going to maybe go look at houses or start moving stuff. Um, and uh, Stephanie's Jeep is in the garage. Um, so police put out an APB for Tina's truck. Um, they're on the lookout for that. They call the kids school. The kids were at school on Wednesday um, and they were absent on Thursday, Thursday, the 11th. Oh, weird. So now we know Tina Cody, Stephanie, and Sarah are all missing. Um, and the, the police kind of suspect, I say police and sheriff interchangeably. I know they're not interchangeable. Um, like I said earlier, I think primarily the investigation was done by the sheriff's office. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, either way, they're suspecting it's like a possible domestic violence situation. Obviously, this is like yeah. we talked about it. It's the most dangerous time if you're leaving a relationship. Um, and you know, Greg, no one's heard or seen Greg since three forty-five when he left for work, he worked outside of Columbus. Like it's almost an hour away, but like, where is he at? So they start to try to track him down. Like they really want to find Greg. Um, he actually does return to Mount Vernon on Thursday. And can you imagine he's just been gone for a day? Like, um, he comes back and police bring him in for questioning and he admits, he's like, yep, my relationship was deteriorating, deteriorating. She's moving out. Um, but he has a rock solid alibi. He's actually seen like not only like on the on the warehouse video um, for he works for Target's warehouse. Um, he's seen in, uh, at work on video. He's actually seen stopping for beer. He heads to a friend's house. He actually he goes golfing with them. Um, so it's pretty quick like that. He's ruled out as a suspect, actually. Um, oh, so he's <laughs> not missing at all. He's not missing. He just went to work and was like staying away from the house. Um, oh, kind of, it was just that day, like that. You know, they were kind of on the on the outs. So, um, I I'm so thankful for him. I'm sure he's very thankful that he had a rock solid alibi because that's how they were able to clear him pretty quick. Yeah, because like it, otherwise, like of course, it's always oh, like the husband, the boyfriend. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. and it's the day she's like leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Suspicious. So, um, it's not too long after that, that the deputies actually find Tina's truck near a hiking trail. And again, if you think of Mount Vernon, like it's kind of, um, it's kind of like woodsy out in Ohio. So, um, there's hiking trails and lots of trees kind of like wooded areas, but they do find Tina's truck. It's near, it's about six miles from her house. So not too far. Um, and they take her truck into the police station but that truck doesn't have any evidence either. There's like nothing for them to no clues, nothing. So there's still four missing people and the community is uh, up in arms because obviously they're tight knit community. um, But a mother and two kids and her best friend, Stephanie, um, they're all missing. So Stephanie had a boyfriend as well. And um, police and volunteers are mobilizing. They bring him in for questioning because they they get a tip that Stephanie's boyfriend is digging his backyard near a garden and they're like, that's not okay. So they bring him in for questioning. They go and they dig up um what he like where he had been digging and yeah. 
Oh, it's like an animal. Yeah. So, okay. He was digging in the backyard. And again, there's like so many coincidences here. He was burying the pet rabbit. He was just digging and he was burying stuff. And so the um, sheriff actually had to dig and they found their rabbit. So that's so sad. No, but I mean, it was a pet bunny. Yeah. yeah, We're still on the lookout for, uh, you know, missing four. Mm -hmm. Um, CSI is like, again, processing the scene. And as I mentioned, it's a really bloody scene. There's drag marks from the house that are leading to the bathroom from Tina's bedroom from Sarah's bedroom, from the front door, and they all come um, into the bathroom. And uh, there's actually a small remnants of um, tissue in the bathroom. And so they know that that cannot be good. Um, There was actually two, um, you know, like in a shower with the shower curtain inside of the shower, like you can see like where a watermark is. If you like fill your bath, um, except for it was two inches high of like a blood stain. So they knew that there was a lot of blood left at the scene and they are looking probably for, um, bodies instead of, yeah. Yep. They suspect homicide and they also suspect dismemberment because again, it's all in the bathroom. Yeah. So this is day, um, three days of investigation and they still, don't have any solid leads. Like they've cleared both the boyfriends. Um, and so they're back kind of at the drawing board. They're going through all of the crime scene evidence. So at this point I would be thinking it's like gang related in that sense, like just because of like the dismemberment and like dragging them into like, that's so like, it's either that, or there was a crime in Canada a few years ago where this guy, he had a grudge against his ex-employer. That's what they assume was what happened. But him and his wife um, and their grandchild was kidnapped from the house. And then they found out um, like weeks later, I think it was that he'd been dismembered by this like disgruntled ex-employee along with, yeah, his, his wife and his, his grandchild. So like, it's reading to me, like it's either like a mob thing or it's like one deranged person that, that like randomly did this, but that's always so rare, you know? I know. Right. And the thing is too, like in this community and in this time, like this is kind of the, the height of like, it's not that it's not a crisis now, but um, I think of like opium and meth, like this is definitely that it's a, it's a smaller community. So like, there's a lot of drug issues um, yeah. as there were na- like nationwide, but that's like a great point that uh, like who could have done this? This is so brutal. So worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole. Well, good thing. Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. They're going through all the evidence again, 
and they find in the in the garage they come back to like this um, Walmart bag and in it has tarps and trash bags. I um, noticed like, well, obviously it's from Walmart. And so there's, I'm pretty sure there's one Walmart in um, Mount Vernon. They go to Walmart and they look through the inventory. They want to know like, was this purchased recently? And as fate may have it, they find the actual transaction and not just that transaction. They have security footage. Oh man. I know. So the man seen on security footage um, is in a camo t-shirt. It's just before midnight on November 10th. So um, Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, Wednesday night. um, Right before they all go missing on Thursday. Like for sure. Before they're all definitely missing on Thursday. So they're going through all the evidence again, right? They, They need something to break this case open. And they find tarps and trash bags in a Walmart sack in the garage. And so, you know, they're going to chase this one down. They go to Walmart and they actually do see that Walmart has these items in their inventory. Uh, Not only that, they were recently purchased in their security footage. So they pull the footage and um, they find um, a man just casually shopping. So he's, you know, goes about Walmart. He looks pretty comfortable, like navigating the store. He's not like, looking around for things. And um, so they suspect that he's local, like he's been there to that Walmart before and he's in a camo t-shirt. He checks out, he leaves the store and his car drives away. Um, And it's just kind of, I've seen that footage just like in the corner of the frame. So it's not like they have this, like a ton of information on his vehicle, but you know, they kind of recognize what um, type vehicle it is. It's a Toyota um, Yaris, and they compare it to all of the Toyota Yaris's registered um, in the area, and they actually get a hit. Like I just feel like in this case, they have hit. Like they keep hitting like each each step. Like this could have gone unsolved, to be honest. Like yeah, hadn't chased this down and had such a match. And not only do they have a match to a man that looks the same on his driver's license, he's literally in the same camo shirt. No, he is. He's got the camo shirt on in his driver's license that he's seen in the surveillance footage shopping in. And then he's, he's got a Toyota Yaris registered to his name. And that's what's in the surveillance footage as he drives. He really didn't care. Like (laughs) he was like, like, it's me. Yes. Yeah. I am the guy. Yeah. I'm who you're looking for officer. Thank you. It's like people with like, like I have such prominent tattoos. Like I would never be able to commit a crime because immediately you would be like that girl right there. Got her. (laughs) You see it on surveillance. So they like freeze the footage. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay, so they know they need to question him. Um, the man seen on the on the security footage is 30-year-old Matthew Hoffman. Um, he works as a tree trimmer in the area. Um, is this like what one of Dexter's episodes was like based off? Well, um, I guess Seasons was based off of it. It was like palm tree um, cutter. I don't know. Sorry. Oh, my. Yeah, and he was like crazy. <coughs> Interesting. Okay, Matthew Hoffman. All right. I will say truth is stranger than fiction. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they, they, um, find him in their database and they actually realize that the Toyota Yaris that he drives was also stopped and like they found, or they, they stopped him in the area that Tina's truck was found. They not only stopped him and like questioned him, like Tina's truck again was found off of the like hiking trail. Mm-hmm. 
why was Matthew Stoyona Yaris there? They, you know, hey, what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I'm waiting for my girlfriend, Sarah. Oh, no. Oh, that gives yeah. me like the creeps. I have like chills. Yeah. Sarah oh. wasn't anywhere to be seen or found. So they're like, oh, okay, Sarah, like go on. And they like let him go. Okay. Then he connect the dots. So, of course, they pull him, uh, pull, him pull his like license and do a background check on him. And they're like, oh, my God, we stopped him. We already stopped him. And he was suspicious. Clearly now, looking back on yeah. it, by Tina's truck. So. Wow. They, yeah, he becomes suspect, prime suspect number one, like right away. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit about him, right? He is from the area, but he moved away when he was 18. And now, he, you know, he's 30, right? And at this mm-hmm. time, um, he moved away to Colorado. Uh, and when he was in Colorado, again, I like to give you a little bit of background because up to this point, he's like a fairly normal citizen, like by all accounts, like his neighbor's think he's kind of like standoffish a little bit strange yeah but uh not like they're not like scared of him or something so in colorado he was a maintenance man and a plumber (laughs) as you're like cringing because he just had maintenance over (laughs) that's so crazy though because like you have such like access to people's homes in that situation but yeah mm-hmm. yeah so he actually worked for a con um like some condos and he was into bl- burglarizing the condos but he gets scared he's like oh i left my fingerprints and evidence all over this so of course this sounds totally reasonable not he dumps gallons of gas and burns the condo building um it caused two million in damages and there were 16 people living in the building like he like burned this place like up but they escape unharmed he goes to prison. He serves around eight years, That's which amazing. I feel like is pretty good for like, you know, burglary. burglary. Yeah. 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 Um, and clearly like if that's your rationale, like, Oh, I, I might be caught for bur- burglarizing. Like, I don't know what he could have stolen, but definitely like adding arson on top of that does not make any sense. So clearly he has like a, a background of, um, I don't know, criminal behavior and, mental health issues. So he gets out on parole though, and he moves back to Ohio. They transfers parole to Ohio. So by all accounts, like now it's 2007, he moves back to Mount Vernon, gets a job as a tree trimmer. He has a girlfriend. So he has neighbors, of course, but he, um, when he moves in, he goes and takes like a dish over to the neighbors, introduces himself. Like, so it's very small town, like that he dated the neighbor's stepmom's best friend. That kind of small town. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I lived in that kind of small town. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, he has a girlfriend, moves in with him. She has a small child too. She has a son. Um, and around like the fall, though, like this is happens in October. Um, and okay. So, Tina and all of this is happening in November, but October 24th. So, shortly before this happens is when shit kind of hits the fan for Matthew. He loses his job. He gets in an argument with his girlfriend. She's scared for her life. She goes and um, reports that um, he choked her. And that's why she and her son move out and they're gone. She's scared of him. Um, And so he loses his job. His car gets repossessed. He becomes really distant and angry. And that's kind of when the neighbors see a change. Um, He was already a little bit odd and strange. Like they had said, he would like sit in the backyard, climb this tree. Uh, he's a tree trimmer. So he's like the. <laughs> he's practicing his tree <laughs> climbing in the backyard. 
I know. I know. But they were like, he would, like obsessively trim this tree and he would sit up there and like look over in the backyard. Like he would just be outside way too much. Um, and then he was also known, this is creepy and sad, of course. He's known for trapping and killing squirrels. Um, oh. So I also say it's sad because they think a little bit um, of the reasoning behind that too is um, that he was so like out of money and that he couldn't afford to eat. So he was killing, trapping and eating these squirrels. Um, and yeah, that's just like kind of how destitute this situation had become. Mm-hmm. A, so, a, a lot of people like eat squirrels. Isn't that like, I don't know. I think that's fair. If you're like hunting them to hunt them, to I hunt. like, yeah, but like that's that desperation of him having to eat the squirrels to live. Yeah. That's really yeah. rough. Yeah. So did he still have his like girlfriend and live in like, live no, in, no. So all okay. of this kind of happened October 24th is when his girlfriend reports that she was choked, that he tried to choke her and choked her. And then she's like, I'm out of here, moves her and her son out. He loses his job. His car gets repossessed. And that's when he's like running out of money and the strange behavior gets stranger. Yep. Got it. Mm. So, okay. Now you're kind of caught up to speed. Like now they know they're looking for Matthew Hoffman and they know he is clearly like prime suspect and they, have to call in the SWAT team. They're not just going to like go knock on his door. They actually get a no knock warrant. Um, and so at 8 a.m. on Sunday, November 14th, they ram the door and they go in. They actually throw in a flashbang. <laughs> like they, they, yeah, they like went in full force. Yeah. Um, and they find him on the couch. And some reports say like holding a knife and not just like a knife, like a big knife. Um, they take him into custody. But they're also like from the reports I've read, they are so concerned. The actual um, SWAT team is concerned because there are piles, mounds of leaves, like sometimes three foot deep. I'm going to show you a picture. And they are really worried that there could be the bodies under these leaves. There are leaves in his living room. There are leaves in his bathroom. There are leaves everywhere in the house. You have to see it to believe it. Like, you can open up Hoffman's house too. So you can see his house first. Like it's a pretty n- normal looking house for the area outside inside looks insane. It's like three foot piles of leaves. And, and then in the bathroom, if you open up the bathroom uh, photo, those are, I had, I had to like do a double take when I first heard of, heard this mm-hmm. and learned about this case. You're like, what is this? There are bags, Walmart bags, Kmart mm-hmm. bags, Meyer bags of leaves. It's all leaves. And they're like kind of in an organized way against the wall. Like, yeah, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. That's so strange. Why? Bathroom. So in the, in the living room, there's like, is that like a trampoline against the wall? I have no idea what that is. It's a very strange setup. It does look like something like a trampoline, but then you can see there's like from when they break in, that's a huge pile of leaves. And that's why they were concerned. Like as, are there the bodies under these leaves? Wow. Yeah. So no, but still there weren't, there were not bodies under the leaves. They are still looking for everybody and there's no one on the main level of the house. And so they're searching the house and they find like a cabinet that's barricading a door and they go down. Um, they, they open the door and that door goes to a basement. So this is the scene they walk into. It's, 
in the basement, more leaves, of course, but also what they find is Sarah. They found Sarah alive. Stop. Alive in the basement on like a bed of leaves. He made a bed for her out of blankets, I guess, um, over piles of leaves. And he thought like that would be comfortable for her and that she was like good with it. Like I'm not going to read all of his statement because it's, in my opinion, it's like deranged. It's it's really ridiculous that he thought he was like being so great to her. Um, yeah. So yeah, they find her alive and in good condition, like considering the circumstances. She's not been like physically abused, but she has been sexually assaulted. She was raped. She's found bound and gagged. So she's not there, like no hanging no. out like he's no. voluntarily like. And she's got a white plastic bag. That's how she's taken out of um, his house. Like she's in her sweatshirt. She's got a white trash bag around her, like a around her legs, like holes cut out, like makeshift diaper. Yeah. Um, and she just said, like when she was led into the basement, it was total darkness. So she was just kept in the basement since um, would have been Wednesday night. Man. So Wednesday night and then they, they get her what day again? Sunday. Sunday. So she was like there four days. So <sighs> yeah, like four full days. Yep. Um, but they don't find anybody else. And she had been asking him like, what'd you do <clears throat> to my mother and my, and my brother? And he's like, he's not going to tell her. He said, if I tell you, I'll kill you. So he doesn't tell her. Um, but clearly she, at the scene, like had heard what she heard. She knew that it was unlikely that they were going to find them alive. Mm. Um, and I've seen her interviewed a couple of times. It's actually really interesting. There's um, Chris Hansen interviews her. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. So that's um, probably one of the more recent interviews. She's also appeared on Dr. Phil um, and spoke about it, but she, and this is totally her prerogative. Like she will talk about everything except for the rape. And again, she was 13. So, um, and at first, like normally they don't release the names of, um, rape victims Mm -hmm. anyways. And also she's a minor, but because they thought she was a missing person, um, they of course were looking for her. So she's like had that, uh, weight, uh, like had to carry that weight as well. Um, so they are looking, why were they looking just for Sarah Mm. police uh, and the sheriff um, were looking for Sarah because um, back at the scene, there was um, a footprint in the bathroom of um, a boot, like a women's, a woman's boot. And, okay. in blood. and so they actually were able to find the same shoe box. She had the shoe box in her room for, for those boots. And they were like, well, this is like literally what they said. At, she's possibly alive because at least she was still standing so that's mm-hmm. why they were looking primarily for Sarah at this point, because again, like the bathroom was such um, a terrible crime scene that they didn't think the others had survived. So when they find, so they find Sarah, of course they take, they had Matthew in, um, uh, in custody for questioning yeah. and they're like going through the home. Um, again, like there's no food in the house. Um, Sarah says that she, uh, he was, he offered her like a bowl of cereal when she got there and it had rotten milk. And she's like, no. Um, and he's like, well, then you can have um, squirrel. And she said she just didn't eat for four days. Yeah. The poor, poor, poor Sarah was in the basement for four days. 
in the darkness. Yep. Yep. And um, so they do find in his house, this is all they found besides the leaves, right? Like um, a couple of red popsicles and two squirrels in the freezer. So he was really um, struggling um, to survive like his own situation at that before all this. Yeah. So they take him in for questioning, obviously uh, into custody more than questioning. Like they want all the details and he's fatigued. He's like non-responsive. He's not cooperating. Um, And he won't reveal like what happened to um, the other three, to Tina, to Cody, to Stephanie. Um, So the County and the community like really rallied. They were searching, searching, searching for these missing three. Um, And on this, so that was on Sunday on Mm -hmm. Tuesday, um, three days, two days, however you want to count it after his arrest. And so they don't know right now why he targeted Sarah at all. Like they don't know what the, the thought process was. Okay. Just nope. want to make sure. Okay. Never seen him. He's saying he didn't know them. Um, <clears throat> and three days after his arrest. So on Tuesday, um, he's like ready to talk, uh, because he, he had a nightmare he had a nightmare that he was in a food processing plant and he opened up a bag and saw um, a dismembered body. And that's what like flashback. Like, him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, prompted him to open up. So mm-hmm. he actually, it's interesting when you see the like detectives, the special agent, like that interviewed him when you see the interviews of them talking about recounting this, because it's so strange. It's like, um, he wanted to go speak with um, special agent Joe Dietz in the bathroom. So he couldn't be recorded. He's like, I'll tell you, but in the bathroom, he like wanted to not be recorded. So they go to the bathroom. The bathroom and- they can't take any portable electronic devices or anything. Yeah. Like, yeah, not functioning on all years, unfortunately. Oh, it's so I, calculated yeah. and yet it's so miscalculated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So strange. So he goes to the bathroom and he immediately confesses. He's like, I killed those people. I cut them up. I will tell you where they are, but on my terms and no remorse. And he's like, so here's how this is going to go. He says he has a two-step plan. He's going to tell his attorneys where the bodies are hidden. Yeah. And he says to special agent Joe Dietz, he's like, then we're going to go for a drive. I'm going to attempt to escape and you're going to shoot me. So he wants suicide by police. And he's like, I don't want to spend my life, the rest of my life in prison. Cause he's already been to prison. It's like, for his, you know, arson and burglary. I don't want to go to a mental hospital. He wants to take the easy way out. He's truly a coward. And um, he says, only after my, only after you kill me, only after I'm dead, my attorney, will my attorney reveal where I've hid the bodies. So. So this is where I get confused with attorney client privilege. Um, Isn't. (laughs) I don't even know if they would like, even if they made that deal, if they would really like, um, wait i obviously i know they wouldn't kill him <laughs> so well, but the thing is this they would wait like, or they could just would an attorney like make that deal i wouldn't make that deal i'd be like i don't think i'm gonna go tell the cops right now thank you yeah, for your time nobody's like, making this deal <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't have any money so it's like okay what are you bargaining with like i'm not no i'll i'm gonna go tell the cops like i i don't know that's so absolutely strange. yeah they call his bluff they're like we're not making this deal one they're yeah. they're not gonna kill him by suicide by police anyways and yeah um, they know, like, yeah, like you said, he doesn't have a leg to stand on, really. No, he had two squirrels in his freezer. So what is he going to do? You're like, I'll, I'll give you the two squirrels that they've definitely confiscated at this point 
for so the only card up his sleeve still is he says he's like fine never mind it was just a dream i don't know where i didn't do it i don't know where they are oh yeah totally yanking them around and the victims families are like that oh. is gut-wrenching they want to know like where their family members are so they don't do the deal. They obviously he's suicidal. So they wrap him up in a, a suicide dress, like the vest. They, yeah. yep. He's on suicide watch. Um, and the, there's the investigations are like a little bit at a standstill because without the bodies, they know that this murder conviction is going to be a little bit tough. It's not a slam dunk and they want the slam dunk. So they just have the crime scene. And also Sarah doesn't know either. She knows what she heard, but she, um, when she was taken, she's, you know, bound and she has a pillowcase over her head. So she just hears what she hears. Mm-hmm. Um, so the police re- re- uh, receive a tip that, you know, maybe he used a fire pit in the neighbor's yard. The neighbors, um, in these other neighbors, the neighbor's backyard, um, the neighbors were in Florida. So they had suspected, um, you know, that he used a fire pit. Maybe they should go take a look at that. They investigate the fire pit, but nothing was found. So, you know, they're chasing down all of these leads, trying to find yeah. missing three. And it's finally time to discuss with the family. Like, what do we do here? What kind of deal can we make with him? If, if we want him to tell us we're going to have to cut a deal. And the family definitely agrees. They're like, yes. Um, they all come to the agreement. The plea deal is if Hoffman tells them where the bodies are, the state will take the death penalty off the table. And okay. I mean, I can be pro for that, like leveraging like in a death penalty state. Like if that's going to get him to talk, he's going to serve the rest of his time in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, then, and anyways, like in Ohio, I had to look this up. Their last execution in Ohio was 2018. Um, so like they were still putting people to death and the mm-hmm. uh, Ohio, the only reason they kind of stopped um, was because governor Mike DeWine in 2020 was said they don't have enough of the lethal injection drugs to carry out executions like, Oh, because of the shortage. So, um, good for the, like good for the investigation to be able to use as a bargaining chip. Yeah. But we're serious here. Death penalties on the table. Not only is it on the table, like that we, we follow through. So, yeah. um, it made him, um, strike the deal. He's like, yep. He draws a crude map. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, the other part of the deal was, of course, it's prison forever and he can't appeal it. So no parole, no appeals. Um, and after five days in custody, he does confess um, the details. He draws a crude map. Um, and in his confession, he says, uh, oh, his only intention was burglary. Like all of this is just like a burglary gone wrong. And you already asked it. Like I called it too. I was like, this is not a burglary. No. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. 
conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Um, because nothing was taken. And as no. the investigator said, like the only thing taken was these people's Sarah. lives. Yeah. Sarah. Yeah. So um, this it gives feels me- like it's got to be like, like, like Elizabeth Smart, you know, like that guy, he must have seen her at some point. He must have had an interaction or something, you know, you always hear about, and it, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't happen that often, but that one smile, that one thing you do, and then that comes back on you with like a stalker situation or something like this, like there must've been something. And that's what, I mean, he denies it. He says he's never seen them, any of them. It was totally random. And I get that, like, you have to take that with a huge grain of salt. Sarah also says she's never seen him, but the police absolutely agree, like, that this is not random and that, yeah, it must have been, like, some sort of, um, like, stalking, yeah, situation, predator situation. Yeah. So what happens is, um, this is what he um, confesses. On Tuesday, November 9th, this gives me the creepy crawlies. He spent the night in a sleeping bag outside their home. Cause it's again, like kind of a wooded area a little bit Oh my God. watching their house on Tuesday night. Um, and w- on Wednesday morning, he sees, you know, Greg leave. He sees Tina leave. He sees the kids leave for school. He thinks the house is empty. So he breaks in through the garage mm-hmm. and he gets excited by remaining in the house. Um, when he knows he shouldn't be in there. And the only, the other piece to this is like it's not just a burglary he brought a knife and i had to look this up too i'm not familiar with weapons clearly he brought a blackjack do you know what that is Mm-mm. it's like a small bludgeoning weapon i had to google it too so he's bringing weapons into a house if he's committing burglary that it's not like yeah. that does not add up for me mm-hmm. um so he's in the house he's actually in there for a decent amount of time um because they left in the morning you know to go to school um, presumably like before eight and then Tina comes home and they know of an approximate time because she, there was a receipt, um, in a grocery bag in the kitchen that was marked around noon. So he like went in and hung out until she was there at noon. Um, so Tina goes into the home and is, um, he says that he was interrupted in the burglary Um, And that's why he like tries to bludgeon her. Well, then Stephanie's coming in after her, you know, um, and sees like that he's in the house attacking Tina. And so um, Hoffman first stabs Tina and then Stephanie. Mm. Um, And it's presumed at that, at that time, like that that's when they did die. Um, So again, it's probably closer to like noon. Okay. Or shortly after. Um, cause that's when the receipt was. So yeah, he, he says he did it because he was confronted like during burglary, but clearly he was like awaiting and waiting in their house. Yeah. Well then here's the other thing too. It's like, okay, she, and you hear about that. That's, um, that is extremely dangerous. You, you come home during your burglary or like your home when they come to rob you, then yes, like a lot of people do die that way, but it's like, he wouldn't have waited them for the kids to come home from school. Like that's where things are murder. And then he's going to stick around yeah, for the kids to come home. Yeah. It wasn't like a, Oh my God, I've been caught quick kill and leaves and takes, you know, whatever he had on him at that point in time. It's like, Nope, I guess I'm sticking around. Like he, he was definitely, he targeted Sarah. Like I'm a hundred percent convinced on that. Yeah. 
Yeah. So again, he waited around, like you said, till they were out of school and the children come home from school. And it's horrifying to hear Sarah recount it clearly because, I mean, to that point, she's just going about her normal day from school. She comes home and she she says she looked down at her shoe and there was blood on her, sh- like under her shoe, like she's stepping on blood from the front, you know, like in near the front door. And so she's looking for her mom and she says the man comes out quickly um, out of nowhere and grabs um, her brother. Oh. And she runs to her room. She runs to her room and she dials 911. But she says she didn't hit talk like, you know, oh, um, no. but she yeah. she thought he would kill her. Um, so. And all of that, you know, has to happen like so, so fast. He busted down her door, ties her up, threatens to kill her. He bounces her legs and arms and throat, puts a pillowcase over her head, takes her. I think it was to the kitchen. Uh, so walks her like back down the hallway. She says at that time, she hears a terrible sound from the bathroom. It sounds like a screech on the chalkboard. Um, and in her mind, she knew that that was him killing her brother. Um, and she knew at that point that he had killed her mother already. Mm. Um, and so she hears the scream and nothing after that. So in his confession, he does admit to dismembering Cody and Tina and Stephanie and filling trash bags with their remains. And Sarah's still held captive. Like, again, trying to, like, put together different timelines. She's, they're all still at the house. Like, yeah, not quick. And he loads her in the car with the bodies. She's got her, the pillowcase over her head. So she's, like, laid down. She thought it was on a tarp, but it was actually on those, their, their bodies. Man, And um, he takes her. So she says they drive for a while, like a a while. Um, He takes her to his house. He takes her down to the basement. He takes a pillowcase off. That's when she realizes she's going down into a a dark basement. And there's a bed of with some blankets. And he says, this is where you're going to sleep. And I've like cut this down and cut this out so much because, again, I don't want to give him credibility like he. His statement is like, he thought she was comfortable. He says he let her play Wii video games and watch Iron Man movies. And like, absolutely not. She sees After like, murdering her family and putting her on top of their bodies, even if he did do any of that, like, fuck him. Like, no. No. Yeah. There's no evidence that he did do any of that. Clearly, there's no food in the house. Like, because he said mm-hmm. hamburgers for, that, for her. Like, no. She's like, I got offered a bowl of cereal with rotten milk and then I stayed in the basement. Yeah. Um, he said he promised her that he she would be okay and that he would be let her go, um, you know, after there was some ransom. Like, th- it doesn't make any sense. Like, he yeah. murdered her family and he thinks there's going to be, like, ransom and she's going to be home by Christmas time. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So he said he's planning on giving her more freedom until she ran away. Like, that was his plan for letting her go. That's his statement. Clearly, that's I'm so thankful that the police and the investigation happened. Four days seems like hell, a hell of four days. That's I'm that's actually very quick for them to like figure all this out. And like again, they hit it lucky when they found that surveillance footage, when they found that receipt, they started putting things together. So, and Mm -hmm. the same shirt as his driver's license, like there's an element of luck for the investigators, sure, yeah. So, like, again, they're saying to Hoffman, like, okay, as part of the plea deal, you have to tell us where the bodies are. So he draws a crude map, and it leads to, 
I think a Coco Sing, I think is how you pronounce it, nature preserve. It's a wildlife refuge. It's about 20 miles from Tina's house. Mm -hmm. Um, And he had driven there the night of the murders, which was November 10th. So in, in my, in like what I've been able to see, I think he took Sarah to his house and then the bodies bodies, um, because when investigators get to the scene, they know they're looking for a tree. Again, he's like pretty obsessed with trees. There's hundreds of trees. It's a nature preserve, but they are able to identify a large beech tree and it's about 70 feet tall and the branches split like how he described. They look up at this tree and about seven feet up, there's a hole, like a knot hole in the tree. Okay. Yep. And they peer into the hole and they see trash bags in the tree. Yeah. So they bring a tree surgeon in to, um, like, they cut, like, a square around the knot hole so okay. they can recover the bodies out of the tree. And I've seen those crime photos of them, like, you know, opening up the tree and removing the remains. And it's just horrifying. Like, and Chris, in the investigation, like, in his um, episode of this, he asked, like, what image sticks with you? And clearly, like, the investigators are like, yeah opening up those bags and seeing 11 year old Cody like sticks with them. Yeah. yeah. So um, Hoffman, of course, when he's like telling them this, do you think he's showing any remorse? Of course not. He, mm-hmm. this is, he wants to make sure the trees are unharmed. The tree is unharmed. Yeah. So as part of the deal, like they said, Oh, we won't harm the tree. Um, no, they cut it down two days later after they were oh, done investigating. They're like, this is not a public like place, a public vehicle. Yeah. Good for them. But yeah. they took pictures back to Hoffman, like of when they cut I'll show you the picture in a second. When they cut the square in the tree, they like put the put it back as it was so they could take a picture and show him. And that that they say that's the only point in the interviews when he would like actually light up. He was like, Is the tree okay? Basically. What a piece of shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's like a, a full size. Wow. Not a square. Yeah. To yeah. So, and that's seven feet up. Like it's, I've heard different accounts of how they think like that's three, uh, three, two adults and one child uh, of remains worth that he was trying to put into this tree. How like, did he get them inside the tree? So there's a, and again, like, because they were dismembered, like he, Squeeze them through the knot hole. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Well, yeah. Wow. Wow. So small hole, like the the hole that he got them. I wonder how, like, how did he think all this up? Because obviously he's not, there's something extremely wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, How did he come up with? all of this and like on spur at the moment, absolutely not. I don't think this is a burglary gone wrong at all. I don't think it's a burglary gone wrong. I don't know if he picked this tree or not. Like he's pretty obsessed with trees. He says he thought it was like a sacred burial ground and that's why he didn't want the tree disturbed. And like, no. Um, So they, they do go ahead and charge him. He gets charged with 10 counts, pleads guilty to 10 counts. Um, They're like, Everything from aggravated murder, gross abuse of a corpse, clearly, burglary, yeah. kidnapping, rape. His bail set at a million, as it should right. be. He's not getting right. out. He's, he's got, gets sentenced, pleads guilty, gets sentenced to life without parole. And, of course, like, this behavior is so disturbing. Authorities 
you can't say definitively that he's never killed before. Clearly he yeah. like in prison before with ar- for arson and burglary. Um, yeah. But they can definitely say if he hadn't been caught, if he hadn't confessed or been caught, he would have done it again. This is oh, not yeah. a random act, as you've mentioned. Like this was mm-hmm. definitely very intentional and targeting. And um, there's a forensic pathologist that I um, read a little bit about. Like, yep, the term for what he has is dendrophilia, where it's like an obsession with trees. Mm-hmm. So back to like the Lee, he was a tree trimmer by trade. And then he's like sitting in his backyard tree all the time trimming. And then he's collecting leaves and bringing them back to the house. And then that's why, um, yeah, he ends up at this tree. So, um, this just drove it home for me, like about how much, how little remorse he had. He said, I wish people would just let this go. It is what it is. Like it is what it is. Um, yeah, there's everyone involved in the case. Like he's, is, says he's a monster. He's evil. He has no conscience. Like that's wild. It's wild that you can just like, I mean, it's the same as Alan Legere saying he just wishes the Miramichi would like forgive him and get over it. Like it happened and let's just all move on. Let this go. Yeah. No. Wow. So how do you, I like that makes me think of poor Sarah and like, how do you like, I, I, so many people, I don't know. Right. Yeah. More on this for you. So of course, yeah. Yeah. Where Sarah, um, one more thing about the leaves in the house. They also think maybe because he has that history of arson Mm -hmm. may have thought like ahead premeditated that. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get away with this. Like the leaves were arranged in the house in a way that like, if he would have ignited it, he could have totally that place down very quickly. So they were thinking that it could have been used for fuel. Um, and, Others thought they found Sarah like in that four day period because God only knows like, you know, if he'd set that place on fire, she's, she was gone. Yeah. Or her somewhere else or anything. Yeah. It was yeah. yeah, very timely and urgent that, um, that they found her. Um, mm-hmm. Some sources also said again, when he was found and um, like, uh, I would say question, but not really like when he's just documented waitering around Tina's truck. Remember when he was like, Oh, I'm waiting for my girlfriend, Sarah. Um, that there may have been gasoline with him at that point. Like maybe he was there and had like looking back on it, maybe he was there to torch Tina's truck um, Mm -hmm. because again of his history of arson. So who knows? Um, But like crazy that they did find him at the scene. Uh, Yeah. And so, yeah, where's Sarah now? She'd be 24. She's 24. Um, I've seen a couple interviews, as I mentioned, she was on Dr. Phil um, when she was 15. So that'd be back in like 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking, um, about, you know, her, um, harrowing experience. She wrote a book, um, with her, her like biological dad, Larry, um, mm-hmm. after all of this, she had been, you know, of course living with her mom. Um, she goes, yeah. she lives with her dad, Larry and, um, his, uh, I think like yeah, his wife. Um, and in 2013, as if she hadn't been through enough, um, both him, both Larry and Tracy, her stepmom and her father, are charged um, with domestic um, assault and violence. Like um, she reported that, I think he punched her in the head or something like that. Uh, let me look. Yeah. yeah, that he punched her. That he punched her in the back, and that um, Tracy kicked her down a flight of stairs. 
Oh my god! It's like she can't catch a break. Like this is so horror. It's horrifying. Uh, the whole the whole thing is horrifying. Yeah. So that was in May of 2013, and like of course, yeah. takes time. Um, and for justice, and so in September 2013, um, is when his charges, Larry and Tracy's charges, came up. Um, in Knox County, and um, she wasn't gonna testify. She she didn't have to testify. They actually um dismissed the charges, and they were like, hey, you need some parenting classes. So, yeah, he gets court-ordered parenting classes, a psychological assessment, and some counseling. Wow. Um, yeah, that seems horrifying. Yeah. Um, to me, like, yeah. been through so much in any ways, like, even if she hadn't, kicking a child down the stairs, like, it sounds like you need more than parenting classes, but yeah, she goes and lives with her, her grandma, so her, her mom's mom, um, her maternal grandma after that ordeal. Um, and then after that, when she's around 18, I know she's not a minor anymore, at least um, mm-hmm. is when Chris Hansen interviews her. So she's like continued to like make a, um, appearances from time to time. But again, like in all respect of her privacy, like she's like rebuilding her own life. Um, and not to end on a, a downer. Like, I think she's really such a traumatic experience. Like, gone through such a traumatic experience in 2019. So the most recent thing I can find on her, she was part of a panel um, organized by Elizabeth smart. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Like, really, me chills. like, yeah, you're saying this is like Elizabeth smart Yeah, um, because a victim of kidnapping that is actually recovered and returned, like only other victims like that can understand. So she yeah. um, is part of this panel and the panels, like a super panel of um, survivors, Gina day, who's, De Jesus. Jesus, yeah. Yep. Um, Denise Huskins, Katie Beers, uh, and more. And the reason that they were had this panel like organized um, was to share advice for Jamie Kloss. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Oh, just chills like all over my body right now. Oh, that's so powerful. I absolutely because they all opened up their own personal um, trauma and wounds to be able to offer support to Jamie. So um, oh, yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so I just, I, I mean, I know it's like such a harrowing story and like Sarah mm-hmm. is such an amazing survivor. Like again, she just wants, when I saw her interviewed, it was way back when she was on Dr. Phil, like she just wanted to go um, to school at um, mm-hmm. Florida. She wanted to start a normal life and um, yeah, just wanted happiness. So yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Quite the journey. Quite the journey. I like, I don't even know, especially with someone that's not even taking accountability for what they've done. I like, I don't, I don't know how you even rationalize it. So I, gosh, I'm glad that um, she was a part of that panel though, and that she has connections to others that have been in unfortunately a similar situation because wow. Wow. And it really does. It speaks volumes about, um, those individuals that are able to like share their trauma and, you know, speak on it and try to help others in the same situation. That's it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So for today's cause, I wanted to pick something um, that could kind of resonate. I know like Sarah's trauma is very specific, um, but there's a lot going on in the world. So gun violence, coronavirus, uh, anxiety, depression, suicide, like all of those um, are still really prevalent. So whether you're experiencing that or you want to volunteer, donate, offer support, um, I found a great cause, crisistextline.org. Um, in the U.S. and in Canada, you can actually just text HOME 
to 741741, or you can go online to crisistextline.org. Um, and yeah, learn more about their organization because they offer all kinds of different support or can help um, get you um, to the right place to get the support you need. Um, and again, from the other side, like back to Sarah, like con- um, re um, con- contributing back. Um, this is a great organization. And so there's information for volunteers and don- donating as well. So um, yeah, I just wanted to pick that cause because they have such great resources on there. That's an amazing cause. Do we know um, how Greg is? That's such a random person to ask about, but. Oh my gosh, I know what happened to Greg. No, what I happened to Greg. Greg? Yeah, that that's, um, I didn't find any information about him. I know like obviously was suspect number one, like right when they couldn't find him first. And how upsetting, because I mean, obviously they've been together a while if they're living together too. I mean, you know, he probably thought of those kids as his kids, you know, at some point. And I just. I mean, they were going through a breakup. So it's not to say that they weren't. I mean, obviously very traumatizing for anyone that's near to these families. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like he was suspect number one because it was when she was supposed to be leaving him. So thank you for that horrifying. It was horrifying. <laughs> I think home invasions are something that always has kind of like terrified me. And for it to be so random, that is really, um, wow. Yeah. So you mentioned Elizabeth Smart. Like it's random, but it's mm-hmm. not because he targeted her. And so like, here's, people never admit that. He's like, no, yeah. it was just a house and they came home and interrupted the burglary. Like, no. Yeah. So here's another random question. Do we know if he's gotten any mental health at all or help at all while he's been in prison? Is that something that he's doing at all? Or do we know anything? Um, I don't know about that. I mean, I know that I've read he's like shown no remorse. Um, I don't know what kind of care he's ha- has to participate in, but um yeah. I didn't look too deep because honestly, I kind of feel like he's. Yeah. Like fuck him. But but I'm just wondering if like in the future, maybe like, maybe we would get more answers, you know, like, it's like, why the fuck did this happen at all? But anyways. mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that I found as like a possible small explanation was that clip that I was sharing with you where there's like a forensic psychologist explaining that like, Hey, in psychopaths, they have the smaller amygdala in their brain and that means like they don't get the same adrenaline rush from things like she's like, you could go skydiving and you're not going to get the same adrenaline rush or like you're going to get a small one. So they have to commit these like extreme um, crimes to get that rush. And that's like why he was like hanging out in the house and getting um, like sexually excited about being at their house and, you know, waiting for them. Yeah. Oh, how awful. Oh, next year. turn. I know. Next is my turn. Thank you for sharing like the resources and for sharing a story with us. Like I haven't, um, I'd never heard of that actually like at all. That's so wild. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I know for myself, since transitioning to a working from home environment, the importance of taking care of your own mental health. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Now, it's not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime, day or night, to message your therapist. It's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy, and financial aid is available. You can visit their website and read other clients' testimonials that are posted daily. Visit betterhelp.com ITT, that's better, H-E-L-P, 
and join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. And for listeners of Innocent Till Tipsy, you can go to their website and get an additional 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash ITT. That's betterhelp.com slash ITT. Um, how did you hear about that? So I lived in the area shortly, like a couple years after this happened, uh, not in Mount Vernon, but I've been there because it's outside of Columbus. And um, yeah, I just like lived in Columbus briefly. And then actually someone that I worked with, so this is like not documented anywhere. This is how I heard about it. She was like, you know, of course, true crime junkie was like, oh, talking about. So she's like, have you heard about what happened here? I'm like, what happened here? And um, she had worked in a call center taking a break like during this time because she like the community was you know oh yeah like um of searching for everyone um she had taken her break from the call center drove to a park because there's not like like what do you go get a coke at like the gas station or something she goes takes a break at a park and she sees like a man coming towards her and at that time they were like on high alert of like suspicious people uh strangers and she's like on the phone with her mom and she's like hey there's a man approaching my vehicle and she's like i got the hell out of there And she's like, later on, she's like, I, she's, she's like, I swear to this day, that's who it was. That was like, you know, out wondering (laughs) the, yeah. And so that's when I was like, I have to look, look into this because the details are so, yeah. I mean, truth, like I said, truth is stranger than fiction. And when you mentioned Dexter, I'm like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I'm I'm now wondering when Dexter was released. Cause I think that was the first season they had like this palm tree killer. Mm-hmm. Like he was a tree trimmer killer. Um, but that's so, it's so wild. It's so unfortunate. And um, yeah, I hope that Sarah's, you know, doing better and I'm glad that she has a support system. Yeah. 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 Oh, how was your wine? Um, my wine's really good. I did like, yeah. I got caught up. I didn't even drink that much of it, but hmm. Cheers. Cheers. A Huda Media Production. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.